following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Episode 851 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by your other host, Brittany Elizabeth Page. Do you think we'll ever get to a point where we don't look at Sweepy and smile? Like it, we'll get to a point eventually where she just doesn't make us immediately happy and smile well we placed her bed inside the studio because she was such a goddamn nightmare last time Mm -hmm. and just now i caught myself looking away because i didn't want her to take it as a (laughs) time to play (laughs) where she starts like barking and and being a maniac yeah that is that is good i am not doing that i was looking at her and smiling and thinking that she looks like a pretty princess and getting ready to tell her that she looks like a pretty princess you know i'm the person that when we're on a walk i start asking sweepy if she's having a good walk i'm like are you liking your walk yeah, you are do. you having a good time yeah you do <laughs> i was actually going to start the show by asking the question do you ever think except it was going to go in a totally different direction oh is do you ever think we'll plan ahead while doing this show? Do you ever think that we will look ahead and think, oh, hey, this next episode is 850. What a great round number. Let's talk about, let's reflect upon the last 850 episodes. <laughs> we didn't fucking do that. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> that's too late because it's 851 now. We and even. It has passed. We even, and we're going to talk about this a little later, didn't. Talk about like uh, March being colorectal cancer awareness month. Mm-hmm. I just like happened. Oh, yeah, by the way, that's blah, blah, blah. Rather than why don't we use our platform for some fucking good here? Yes. We're just. Well, we're doing that. You just said we have a clip yeah. for that later. Yeah, yeah. We're but gonna... it's always like after the fact. Like we'll probably hit episode 1000 and be like, ah, oh, shit, we should have done something special. Well, <laughs> listen, we've been busy. We've been getting the studio set up. Yeah, yeah Many yeah. of you may have seen that we recorded 850, and it is on YouTube. Oh, see, that's a little celebration. Yeah, so you can watch us on YouTube. The goal is to do that, like, I think you want to do every episode. I think No, no, no. I think I want to shoot for every one a, one a week. Okay. One episode a week being on YouTube. Yeah, if we can do more, great. Yeah. But we're a two-man show here. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. In your heart, you want to do every episode. I always end up biting off more than I can chew. In reality, like we've been talking about, I have long been planning the show. I took that over long ago. Uh And now I'm taking over editing of the show. You still have to babysit me because I'm not completely on my own with that yet. But I am getting pretty close to the point where I can can do it myself. And I'm also learning how to edit video too. So I'm I'm learning a lot yeah. so that I can help take some of the pressure off. So at least you don't need to edit my videos. You know what I mean? Like I can I can do I, that myself. Well, one, we should let the audience know because they always end up siding with you, but justifiably so. I'm not pressing for that. I'm not like, ugh, I have to edit your videos too. 
I'm not doing that. But, you know, I have to edit your videos, too. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, I am doing videos, and I took a break when we moved, but I'm back to doing videos. I have committed to doing one per week, at least, and I just put an interview up. Actually, I'm going to be doing yeah. interviews. It was really good, too. I was, like, I knew you would do well, because you're fucking awesome, but but that's a whole different ball game mm-hmm. being on camera and interviewing you gotta think about shit you're not looking at no it was you did awesome fantastic well thank you i interviewed my friend and colleague and uh, one of my favorite human beings dr chris hoff former from, guest of the show yeah from the radical therapist podcast and youtube channel he also makes fantastic content so if you're interested in psychology therapy all of those things but you want it from someone who is not doing like terrible psychology and therapy commentary on the internet then you definitely want to go check out the radical therapist yeah if you if it's you if you're interested in somebody who doesn't come across as though they're a guru or a self-help person or uh, uh, like has all the answers in a quick way an easy way and just do these five things and you'll be healthy as hell everybody that's not chris hoff i mean he's a it's a it's a normal realistic approach to mental health well it's also a tough sell because He's all about the complexity of things and there not being easy answers. And there's a lot of things that are unknown and there's a lot of uncertainty. And that's. You mean he approaches it from a realistic outlook? Yeah. And that's a tough sell for a lot of people. They're like, wait, what? Things are uncertain. I can't just do the drive through thing and then be happy and healthy. (laughs) So, yeah, definitely check that out. But. I know you thought that you were going to get away from wholesome dog content, but we're not about that on this show. No, we're not. In fact, we prefer the maximum amount of wholesome dog content, and luckily we have listeners who agree. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. I literally just started listening to your latest podcast, and you got to the sweepy part, and it made me remember my dog, Noble, and... He used to, when he was teething, my mom had, like, wooden stairs because she took the carpet off him, and he would chew the step, and he knew he'd get in trouble for it, so he used to bring a bone over, so when she'd <laughs> catch him, he'd quickly pick up the bone, or he'd try to hide between me and my brother so she couldn't see him, and the weirdest thing he ever did was he had a beanie baby he used to love at this dog sitter across the street we used to take him to, and one day we saw him with the beanie baby, he went to the back of the yard, and he literally dug a hole and buried his beanie baby. We all went over to see what he was doing, and he looked really embarrassed and dug it back up and ran away, but yeah, so dogs are smart. And they're really sneaky. I miss Noble. I hope Sweepy gets better. I mean, like, it's cute, but it it is really annoying when they start, like, hiding what they're doing. (laughs) Um, anyway, love you guys. You're all the best part. Bye. Bye. (laughs) It is, uh, it's more amusing than anything else. I mean, because she, she... I mean, she's still a puppy. I mean, yes, yes, barely a year old. Yeah. And that puppy nature is not going to go away for, I mean, Popeye in some ways at nine years old. I mean, the day that the lady came to murder him mm-hmm. was still kind of puppyish. So, was it? Well, he was slow. He was just like slow motion puppy behavior. I see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We miss that guy too. He's, yeah. uh, We've been talking about actually a lot mm-hmm. lately mm-hmm. because 
witnessing this is turning into a, a, a dog podcast but uh witnessing sweepy grow up from from a puppy we had her she was five pounds mm-hmm. and now she's over 40 it is it's nice looking back and kind of imagining what it would have been like for popeye to be a little puppy and raised in a healthy way that he wasn't afraid and yeah. mistreated and yeah and everything else so i guess the moral of the story is don't be a dick to your fucking dog how about that? That would be that would be great. So we would like to thank our Patreon supporters because we could not do this show without Patreon support. And we have some new Patreon supporters to thank this time. So we would like to shout out Neil J. Neil J. Winston S. Winston S. Eric K. Eric K. Laura. Laura. M. Toledo. M. Toledo. Diane. Diane. Nor W. Nor W. Nancy F. Nancy F. And Ariel F. Ariel F. Thank you so very much to our new Patreon supporters. You are beautiful human beings. We truly love and appreciate you. We also want to shout out the Patreon supporters who have increased their pledge. Mm. And that would be Austin. Austin. And Christine C. Christine C., thank you both very much. Yes. Again, we could not do this without you. If you are interested in joining the Patreon family, go and check out the different tiers. I know you may listen to this and think... You know, what do they need? $10 a month. I don't have that. You know, $2 a month is is perfectly amazing and helps us do what we need to do. Yeah, if we're able to marshal the size of our audience and get, like, if 10% of the people who listen to the show were to become $2 patrons, oh, holy game changer, Batman? I mean, it would be a big deal. It would certainly be a huge, huge deal. Yeah, and there are different perks, including an ad-free version of the show. When you become a Patreon supporter, you have access to the RSS feed that you can get the RSS link and paste that into your podcatcher of choice so that you can listen to an ad-free version of the show. And there are also the perks of joining the once-a-month Google Zoom Hangouts. They're no longer Google Hangouts. Wow, that's Haven't from... Haven't been for... That's from eight years ago. Many years. <laughs> so anyway, thank you very much. We appreciate your support. Patreon.com slash I Doubt It podcast. So we want to get to two emails. And these two emails are going to represent two different sides of an issue that we have been talking about on an ongoing basis, which is trans rights. And the first email that we are going to read is, well, let me just read the subject, okay? It says, my feelings on the show lately. Mm. (laughs) From a long-time listener of the show. Now, when you hear that, do you think that it's going to be positive, or do you think it's going to be... Never going to be good. (laughs) That is net... Here are my feelings about the show lately. Yeah. It's really great, you guys. That's (laughs) never going to be what it's going to be. All right, so here we go. Dear Jesse and Brittany, before even starting this, I... Love you guys, even if you want me to fuck straight off after hearing my opinion. I think it's good to have some healthy discord. People can disagree without it being hateful. I'm a longtime listener to your show. Found you on YouTube back in 2015. I want to pause right here because we do know this listener. We remember this listener. Ray is how the listener signs the email. So Ray sent us, I remember in the beginning, a... A bottle of Maker's Mark. Yeah, a giant handle, a handle of Maker's. A bag of caramel popcorn. Yeah, unopened, like that was from the store, so it was okay to eat, (laughs) not homemade. Right. And a trophy that they had made 
that that said that may or may not have misspelled our names, but <laughs> it was indeed a cool trophy. And we still have it here in the studio. Yeah, that's right. And it said best podcast ever. Yeah. So this is a long time listener. Was long there time. a year on that? Because obviously. Not the greatest ever anymore. Yeah. I, well, <laughs> we'll see based on how this goes. So picking back up on the email from Ray. Lately, I have been a little disappointed in some of the ways that you respond to topics. It seems that anytime somebody disagrees with your opinion about the LGBTQ plus agenda or rights in general, that they are automatically classified as a bigot and hateful. Personally, a lot of issues that they have don't affect me, so I'm on my business. I still will always try to be respectful. I will use somebody's desired pronouns if I'm asked to. Don't mind it. Just let me know. And also understand that for 34 years of my life, a woman was a woman and a man a man. So if I mess up, just be understanding. I personally believe that there are only two genders. Now, how you feel your sexuality or how you want to behave is on you, but there are only men and women. That's all. I'm only speaking from my personal experience in Pennsylvania. I understand and respect that you identify as a woman, but I don't want a grown man in the bathroom with my daughter. I just don't. It would make her uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable. And before you say people have a right to be comfortable everywhere, they don't. And I'm not asking to trade my comfortable for their uncomfortable. I'm always confused on how we've gotten this far as a country. Trans women should not be allowed under any circumstance to compete in sports against biological women. And I feel like you're putting your own intelligence to the side just to argue that point. We could get deep in that topic, but it's not fair. It will never be fair. My daughter runs track and it would be ridiculous for her to train, work hard and give her all to be beat by a person with biological advantages that she will never be able to have. Personally, what I would want for my family and what other people want for theirs, it's none of my business. So if you think it's okay to have gender-affirming surgeries or transition at an age younger than 18, that's on you. I wouldn't let my kids do it, even if they wanted to. I don't think that at the age of 18 or even slightly older at 25, you are fully developed. I know yourself, Jesse, could look back at 18 or even 25-year-old you and see how far you've come and how many things you've changed. You need to experience life and have a more developed brain before making these decisions. But I won't argue if a parent would allow it. I don't think the state should tell them what to do, but I wouldn't. And last, in one of your previous shows, you compared the LGBTQ moment to slavery. As a black person, I take that very disrespectful to compare slavery, understand some of the issues are human rights, but comparing it to suffering, abuse, and forced labor of a race is a bit much. So you can tell me to fuck straight off or not. I will still listen to you guys and love your content. But inherently, I don't believe disagreeing with some of these things makes me hateful or, as you say, a bigot. Love, Ray. Can I say one thing first before you? Yeah, you I saw me sitting up in my chair. Well, I saw you were taking notes and I was reading it, so I'm going to need time to yeah, not sure, talk sure. for a second. Yeah, go ahead. But I just want to say, I would be interested in the timestamp and episode number where we compared it to slavery. I, I think that me too. I think there, you know, we generally avoid certain comparisons, and that is like to the Holocaust, right, and to slavery, right. And we—it's a singularly horrific horror 
we, you know, we may have looped in like civil rights issues. I think that is what happened. Similar to race, but I, I don't know. If it's the moment that I was telling Chris to go fuck straight off, and that's what Ray is talking about, I think that is what I was talking about. But I would be more than happy to have the timestamp specifically provided, and we could play that on the show. And if I did compare slavery, not a thing that I would... I don't think I did that, so... Well, and we are getting ready to talk about a Republican figure calling for genocide here in a bit. So it's, you know, we're going to get to that. But first, let's kind of go through this email from a very longtime listener and supporter of the show from 2015, you guys. So so this is something that we want to have a conversation about, not only because of Ray, but because we have lost support by being supporters of the trans community from people who consider themselves on the left. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. I think this is important to address. So, Jesse, I'm going to let you... Well, let me just say this. Um, I believe some that you said, Ray, is bigoted. I think some of the things that you espouse, some of the things you believe, are bigoted beliefs. I'm not going to parse out. Maybe this is me being... Uh, being a, a a wussy and not being able to 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 tell you to fuck straight off, I don't know, but I don't know if I would call you a bigot or someone who just has swallowed conservative talking points because a lot of the things that you say, if you watch Fox News for a fucking half hour, you're gonna hear these things. There's only two genders. I don't want a grown man in the bathroom with my daughter. I don't know if you know any trans people at all, Ray, but I know several. And I don't know any. Well, one, I also don't have a bunch of weirdo friends. Every person I know who is trans is just a regular person trying to get by, exist in this world. And right now, I'm not talking about exist as in just get along, go along to get along and have a job and exist. I mean exist. We have conservatives at CPAC, a national stage, calling for fucking genocide. The elimination, we need to eradicate transgenderism. But you don't want a grown man in the bathroom with, there is no grown men in the bathroom with your daughter. So I'll kind of take things as you're going through it, too, if that's okay. Yeah. So on that point, you know, Ray, think about your daughter and the dangers that exist in society. Someone who wants to get to your daughter doesn't need to feign a lengthy process of transitioning in order to gain access to your daughter. You understand that your daughter is encountering potential predators in danger just by existing as she goes about her day. And I know this as a woman, okay? So when you're talking about, like, I don't want a grown man in the bathroom, there's no one who is feigning transition and going through this process in order to gain access to a bathroom. In fact, men just hide in bathrooms and attack women in bathrooms. That's that's happened. There We've have been- covered many instances on the show. The lady in Seattle on the run who went into the bathroom to use the bathroom comes to mind from years ago. Right. But when we're talking about young kids who are in their middle school or in their high school and they are facing the social pressure 
and ostracism of going through a transitioning, they are likely not going through that very difficult process where they're being ostracized and mocked and potentially in danger because of people that have bigoted beliefs for fun or to gain access to the bathroom. They don't need to go through all of that to gain access to to a victim. Right. You can listen, there are millions of straight cisgendered dudes who are victimizing little girls and women who didn't oh let me ah, I'm going to be trans so I can abuse people. This is all bigoted beliefs. These are all scare tactics that the right uses to hopefully sway people of a different political persuasion and I believe it worked in this case. Well, and this is all such a messy topic like when Ray is saying my entire life a woman was a woman and a man was a man and like Matt Walsh just made that documentary because he would walk up to people and say what is a woman and people would kind of struggle with that. And I wonder why that is. It's because what is a woman is a socially constructed thing. Being a woman means different things to different people. Like my mom was a six foot tall, 220 pound woman who would physically fight men in public. Okay. And win sometimes. So, I mean, that's not what you would typically think of as a woman, right? Like this, this towering figure who's, who's beating men up. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, also conservatives will use the uh, able to procreate. Right. They, they can give birth. What about women who were born um, without the ability to, to bear children? Are they, are they not women? Right. But what this turns into is like this very narrow definition of gender roles and anyone who steps outside of this very narrow definition of a gender role for what it means to be a woman is going to encounter problems when they encounter people like Ray. Yeah. Well, the, the other the other thing, Ray, that very much bothers me, and listen, um, I have affection for you. You have been a longtime listener. We have had exchanges online. Um, I was very bummed out when you had weirdo beliefs about vaccine. Well, anyway, I'm going off the rails here. But when you talk about the gay agenda, and then you say, oh, rights or whatever, if you think the the struggle for civil and human rights is a fucking agenda, then you're you're off base here you are absolutely looking in the wrong direction i don't need you to fully understand the ins and outs of the trans issue and trans rights and what it means to be trans i don't understand but i don't need to understand it in order to stand in the gap for people who are being victimized and are suffering from some of the highest rates of suicide of any group in our country because I love and care about people. And I believe you do too. I love and care about trans people just like I love and care about your daughter. You think that I would advocate for, ah, put her at risk. Let's put her in a bathroom and just hope she doesn't get abused. No. But there is no risk of abuse at the hands of trans people for your daughter. It is propaganda that has been ginned up by conservatives 
like the genocide calling for Michael Knowles of the Daily Wire just this weekend in Baltimore, Maryland at CPAC. Well, and, and I would say to that, because I'm sure someone listening who has raised position would say, whoa, you just said there's no risk of any trans person, blah, blah, blah. Listen, it's not a unique population where there's going to be no bad actors within the population of trans people. Sure, sure. Just like any other community right. that you go to, there's going to be someone who maybe is up to no good. Okay, yeah, it's, not, it's not filled with only saints. There are asshole trans people, just like there's asshole cisgendered straight people. Right. The point is that there's not a disproportionate risk. There's nothing unique about the risk associated with the trans community. And when Ray is saying, you know, we're putting our own intelligence to the side to argue some of the points that we do, for the trans community, I would really challenge that. And I would challenge Ray to better educate himself because these are talking points. Like you just said, straight out of the daily wire, straight out of Ben Shapiro's Twitter page. And when you're just parroting right wing talking points and you're not making space for how some of these issues are actually rather complicated and more complex than I think he's giving space to. I would recommend our friend Aaron Rabinowitz and Callie Wright. They were just on the psychology podcast with Scott Barry Kaufman. And the, the host of that podcast, Scott, he is a little centrist on these issues. He's not a progressive. So he's asking Aaron and Callie, who are both supporters of the trans community, Callie being trans themselves. And that was a great conversation where Scott, a centrist, is asking questions that Ray may want to ask a trans person or someone who supports trans rights. And it was over an hour, maybe close to two hours. It wasn't advocacy hour for trans rights. It was... Hard questions, some people would consider them. It was interrogating claims. Yes. And if someone like Ray is interested... If you're actually interested. Yes, in furthering your education and hearing from people who have, number one, firsthand knowledge, or people who are advocates in this area, then I would recommend listening to that to that episode. It just came out four days ago. Aaron Rabinowitz and Callie Wrights on the Psychology Podcast. And I think that if you listen to that episode, you come away more informed on these issues than than maybe you were before. And I think in Ray's case, certainly you were before, just based on the parroting of these right-wing talking points in this email. Also, let me say this concerning the my previous uh, admonition to fuck straight off to Chris. I will repeat it. If indeed you are a person who doesn't believe trans rights are human rights and you're willing to jettison any concern for humanity because, as Bill Maher put it, I don't care where weirdos pee, you can fuck straight off. That is bigotry. And if you think, having listened to this show for as long as you have, that we're not going to take up for a marginalized community over the power structure, then you haven't been listening very closely for that long. Yeah. Well, and I I would also say just one more point that I want to address when Ray is talking about the gender affirming surgeries or transitioning at a age younger than 18 on the psychology podcast. I think it was either Aaron or Callie that made a great point about focusing on gender affirming surgeries happening on minors is like focusing on late term abortions. Almost never happening. 
Yeah, and I Very mean, rare. in terms of like the general focus, like it's just it's not it's not the majority of what's happening. The majority of what's happening is people say I'm I'm starting to question my my gender. I am, you know, having some questions about it. They go and meet with a specialist and it takes place over the course of many months and many assessments. And oftentimes there is no surgery prior to 18. Well, oftentimes the consultations take so long that you you pass the age of 18. Yeah, this isn't just you go to a doctor and then... Next week you have an appointment. Yeah, I mean, this to is... To have the surgery. This isn't like the, the heydays of getting opioids where they're just like writing you a prescription in five right. minutes. You know, this is a very lengthy process where they're, you know, giving a lot of assessments. They have expertise in education. They're not Ray. Okay. Right. Ray wouldn't allow it to happen. Fine. There are actual experts who consult with people that are going through transition who want to transition. They have the assessments. They do it with all of their information that they have that we don't have. Okay. I'm also saying I'm not an expert on this, but that's why I defer to experts. And that's why we encourage that on this show. There is a lot of uncertainty on this issue specifically because we don't know we aren't experts, but we defer to the experts. And that's why we're so passionate about this issue. When you do not allow trans kids to engage with gender affirming care, the, the rates of suicide increase. Dramatic. There, there is an actual danger yeah. associated with yeah. this. So even the flippant way that Ray talks about, you know, I'll try to use the pronouns as best as I can. You know, I'm going to mess up sometimes because in my whole life, a woman's been a woman, a man's been a man. All right. Like he's doing a Steven Crowder bit. And I'm turning into a dick a little bit because I'm starting to get mad the more that I talk about it. But I, <laughs> the next email that we're going to read juxtaposes why we choose to focus on trans rights yeah but before we get let me address one last thing you you reminded me i'd written the note down about the 18 to 25 year old and he asked me specifically what about you you've changed so much over the course of your of your life i've changed a political belief system i haven't changed fundamentally who i am i wasn't born gay i wasn't born trans i was born a cis straight white fucking dude that that didn't change because there was nothing to change that's who i am People are born this way. It's an immutable characteristic that you're hearing more about now because people feel more comfortable about being who they are. These same despicable, bigoted arguments were made about gays. My mom, when I was a child, said all gay men have to wear diapers because of the sex that they have. That's how unnatural it is. The same people who made those arguments are the ones who acted like this is a decision they made. We shouldn't allow this because they're too young to make these types of decisions. There's no decision that was made. If any decision is made, it's how comfortable you are about being public about it in the face of danger, physical, actual, violent Danger that could befall you for being who the fuck you actually are. And your opinions, while you think um, not dangerous to them, I likely, you think middle of the road, you think maybe even possibly indifferent, lead to this entire aura 
of of um, bigotry, of the Bill Maher saying that I don't care where weirdos go to pee. It's it's just not a loving, humanistic outlook on sharing this world together. Well, and especially if Ray is saying those things in front of his daughter, that he is afraid that a grown man is going to pee in the restroom with her or whatever he might be saying to his daughter, that's influencing her views. That's influencing how she's taking information to her classmates. All of that goes, it just flows downward and the cycle continues. And I think what you said about your mom is a good point. You know, Republicans are starting to make this argument that trans people are the way that they are because they were abused. And this is my mom used to tell me that, too, that every gay person she ever knew was molested. And that's why they were gay. Here's the question. Are you going to be someone who punches down? Or are you going to be someone who punches up? And as it stands right now, based on your email, Ray... You're punching down. You're in the dominant space in our society. You're a straight, cis man. Sit with that. What choice are you going to make? Who are you going to stand in the gap for? Is it going to be the Republican propaganda? Is it going to be your bigoted or bigot adjacent ideas or is it going to be for a population that is literally fighting for survival yeah and on that note we want to read the second email so thank you same topic thank you to ray and yeah and and thank you ray and listen if you've listened long enough you know i'm a fucking screamer i'm a yeller (laughs) i'm uh and also you know i would hope have an idea of where my heart is. Well, and p- people people write in and call in who are trans. So I hope that Ray does continue to listen and doesn't just hear from us because sometimes we are inartful in how we communicate about these things because we don't Me have especially because we don't have the the full expertise in education. But we try, we try to stay informed and we try to be uh, good advocates. So our next email is from Steph. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. I'm writing to you tonight because I know I wouldn't be able to make a coherent comment through voicemail. For context, I'm a 39-year-old trans woman from California. I've been living as my authentic self for three years now, and in the three years I've been transitioning, I have discovered a level of love for myself and the people around me that I never knew was possible. It is not hyperbole to say that transitioning saved my life. Over the last year or so, it has become painfully obvious that the quote-unquote transgender issue is going to be a focal point of the 2024 election. Me and my trans siblings are being placed directly in the spotlight, and now what seems like half the country are just chomping at the bit to come after us as people and the rights that supposedly all of us have. Now I get home from work today, and I see that some sentient urinal at CPAC is saying transgenderism should be eradicated. That statement was met with overwhelming applause and cheering. I've been telling anyone who would listen that the rhetoric being used by the far right is basically an open call for genocide. Now they're saying the quiet part out loud. I'm scared, guys. Never in my life have I felt so much fear. I fear for myself, for my trans friends, and my trans siblings all over the country. We are being put in harm's way under the banner of protecting children. I feel that very soon I will be placed in a position where I must leave this country. 
leave behind my children, my family, my friends, and the life I've broken my back to build, that I must leave or exist every day in this country with a target on my back. Sorry for the long rambling email. I just needed to shout this into the void tonight. Thank you both for the light you've been shining on this issue. Thank you for being a voice for so many of us that feel we don't have one. We need people like you on our side as long as this fight is going to continue. Sending all of the love in the world from California, Steph. Thank you, Steph. We've had many people call into the show. And trans people. And make a claim about the right and their insistence about whether or not they even exist. And we've gotten emails pushing back on them. Ah, that's hyperbole. No one's no one's calling for them not to exist. That, that, that's just that's exaggeration, rank exaggeration. And if you still think after this weekend, we're going to play the clip here that the right isn't in this to eliminate trans people, then you've not been paying attention. The call for violence is a clarion call coming from within the fucking house. And mainstream media, even media that considers itself progressive, is fucking ignoring the clear and present danger that is being faced by our brothers and sisters, our fellow human beings. Eradicate transgenderism. The media would be all out. If someone said we need to eradicate Judaism, what in the fiddling fuck do you think the media would do? They would lose their collective minds. But when he's calling for the, 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 the eradication of transgenderism and then goes on Twitter, I demand that this libel be retracted from the Rolling Stone or whoever actually said something about it. Trans rights are human rights. If you choose to punch up rather than punching, or if you choose to punch down rather than punching up, you're part of the problem. You are Michael Knowles, Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, Daily Wire adjacent. And you need to reflect on that if you consider yourself some uh, someone who is invested in human rights, who is invested in, in, in a liberal democracy who is invested in being just a basic, general, decent fucking human being. Well, this is why Steph's email is why we focus on this issue. And I understand that some people are unhappy about it, but I mean, (laughs) I just don't see what the other option is. We're not going to go along to get along on this issue. So if it's going to make people unhappy, then I'm really hoping people stick around and try to learn and try to open themselves up to new information because this may be new to you. You may not understand the quote-unquote trans issue, but guess what? You can learn. You can change that. 
And just because you have thoughts in your head right now doesn't mean they need to be ongoing thoughts. I mean, this is something we talk about all the time on this show. This is why at the end of our interviews, we ask people, what's the last thing you've changed your mind about? You may have believed some of these things about the gay community in the past that, that Jesse just talked about or that I talked about. You, you may have had bigoted beliefs in the past and something changed those beliefs. And you can do that again, but it's going to take it's going to take learning. It's going to take really grappling with it and understanding. And I think the stories from people like Steph are very important to listen to. We should not have people in this country that feel they need to leave. Yeah, because they are going to be harmed and killed. Right. If you listened, if you're still listening, Ray, or if you were out there who who has views that 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 butt up against Ray's views. If you believe that Steph writing that email is a danger to your daughter, you're not listening closely enough. You're putting something on Steph that they're not saying. They just want to to live and exist as a functioning member of society unmolested by bigots. Steph is not there to hurt your daughter. They, and millions like them, are just trying to be, just trying to exist. And all of these other distractions, fueled by right-wing propaganda make those in opposition who were previously reasonable people make them useful idiots. And I don't mean idiot, like you're an idiot. I mean, you're a useful tool of the opposition. In this case, opposition to human rights, opposition to the existence of an innocent group of people who were born a certain way that is outside of the normative experience for humanity. The majority position, the power structure, those, those who share in cisgenderism, who've created the world and the, the, the rules of the world we all live in. Just be kind, be decent, be loving, be empathetic. Look beyond your own experience. I mean, if there's any, if there's any fundamental principles around this program, it's got to be that. Thank you, Steph, for the email. And thank you, Ray. If anything else, it has uh, given us an opportunity to talk a little bit more at length about this. And again, we're a couple of straight white people, straight cis white people, <laughs> We're not experts in this area. Although we, we know people who are trans, we are not experts. Our experience is fundamentally different than that of a trans person. We'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. We welcome you to leave a uh, voice memo from your smartphone at idoubtit at dollamore.com.
So before we move on, we do want to play the Michael Knowles clip from CPAC. And I, I don't want people to walk away from this thinking that Michael Knowles is the only one who had anything to say about transgender folks. He he said the most heinous thing at, at CPAC, but transgender issues, as Steph talked about, are going to be a focus of the upcoming election. And Republicans are making that clear, especially in the response that you will hear to Michael Knowles' comments about transgenderism. There can be no middle way in dealing with transgenderism. It is all or nothing. If transgenderism is true, if men really can become women, then it's true for everybody of all ages. If transgenderism is false, as it is, if men really can't become women, as they cannot, then it's false for everybody, too. And if it's false, then we should not indulge it, especially since that indulgence requires taking away the rights and customs of so many people. If it is false, then for the good of society, and especially for the good of the poor people who have fallen prey to this confusion, transgenderism must be eradicated from public life entirely. The whole preposterous ideology at every level. Whose team do you want to be on? Are you on Michael Knowles' team? As he says, there is no middle way. All or nothing. For the good of society, transgenderism must be eradicated. Is that your team? Is that your guy? (sighs) And also, this, I mean, this is... (laughs) This really fits with the white Christian nationalist agenda. They have a very specific criteria for what should be accepted in a society, and that is white Christians. Yeah. And things that deviate from that in our society are to be condemned. And this is the society that they want to create. And if you hold views that are similar to this, even if you don't fit into the white Christian nationalist group, you are supporting their efforts. Yeah. This is Nazi shit. This is Nazi shit. It, there's no other way to look at it. This is talking about eradication. No middle ground. All or nothing. For the good of, of society. Long live the Third Reich, claims Michael Knoll. In other words, it's fucking gross. Listen, I long made the claim that things are going to get worse before they get better, and we're witnessing them get worse right now. This last weekend was a seminal moment in the history of this country and where we're headed. We'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always absolutely... Email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So it is Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month, the yes. month of March. I don't know if you guys know. So we're going to be talking about that <laughs> more because Jesse... Dollamore had colon cancer, stage two colon cancer. It was discovered when he 
started feeling lightheaded during walks and was diagnosed with anemia and they decided, hey, we need to figure out why you're anemic. You're a young, healthy guy. Why why are you anemic? And they ordered an endoscopy and a colonoscopy. And in the colonoscopy, they found a giant bleeding mass, which explained the anemia and also explained the cancer. In this case, it was a tumor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so y- you are doing well. Yeah. No chemo. Feeling good, feeling great. You've changed your diet significantly. Yeah. And we'll get to that because in this clip, we are talking about and focusing on how colorectal cancers are being found in younger and younger Americans. And in fact, the rates are on the rise for younger Americans. At 45, Justin Kelly thought he was probably too young to get colon cancer. But when his doctor said the recommended screening age had dropped from 55 to 45, he ordered a mail-in Cologuard test. The result was positive. A colonoscopy confirmed stage 3 cancer, and Justin began an experimental immunotherapy last fall. I'll share what my doctor told me when she came in to share the news. She said, you wouldn't have made it to 50 without coming in to see me. That's how you know, far along it was. Justin is part of a younger generation of Americans whose colorectal cancer rates have nearly doubled over 25 years. In 1995, 11% of those diagnosed with colon cancer were 55 and younger. By 2019, it was 20%. Unfortunately, there has been a rise as well in advanced stage diagnoses where the colon cancer has not only spread to lymph nodes, but also to distant organs in the form of metastases. The symptoms to watch for a change in bowel habits, blood in the stool, abdominal pain, unintentional weight loss, fatigue and shortness of breath. But while it's the second leading cause of cancer death, many people are reluctant to discuss their symptoms or seek help. There needs to be open communication between patients and their family members about what might be going on, as well as patients and their primary care providers. The risk factors include obesity, physical inactivity, a diet low in fruits and veggies, but high in red and processed meat, smoking, heavy alcohol use, and a family history. With black Americans, Native Americans, and Alaska Natives at an elevated risk. Justin Kelly is just grateful he took the test. I do see it as a close call. If I hadn't gotten that physical, I would have been in a very different spot. Diagnosed and now cancer-free. Tom Costello, NBC News, Washington. I would very much enthusiastically encourage you to go out, especially if you're 45. But even if you're 40, start talking to your doctor about the measures that you need to take to get screened to ensure that you don't have colon cancer. I, I just had someone reach out the other day and say, largely because of you, I went out and got a a colonoscopy. Holy shit, I'm in the same boat as you. So you are probably like me thinking, nah, 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 that's somebody else. That's going to happen to somebody else. Nah, not. The the rates of of colon cancer are inexplicably, they don't know why, younger and younger, people in their 20s, people in their 30s, go absolutely get checked and don't let yeah it's butt stuff who fucking get over yourself take care of yourself go get checked out and also i would say this i did the take-home test where you 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 lay a little piece of parchment paper in the toilet and you, you poop on the thing and then you scrape your poop with the little thing and you put it in the vial and you send it off to the hospital mine came back clear 
really the colonoscopy is the way to go and it's not as much of a no pun intended pain in the ass as as people make it out to be yeah and it could literally save your life so there's uh, something that i want to say in terms of the the system that we have in this country that does not allow for everyone to have equal access to healthcare treatment unfortunately you have to have money to have access to healthcare treatment you have to have the ability to pay for health insurance yeah. in this country and if you don't it makes it more difficult to do things like preventative healthcare <laughs> going to get a physical like the the guy in the the clip talked about is not something that everyone has access to. Um, so I think it's important to talk about how unfortunate it is that we have a system in America yeah. that does not allow equitable access to preventative health measures and being able to get yourself checked out. So I, I, I want to say that because sometimes when we talk about this, we get emails from people that say, yeah, that's all great and well. Thank you for telling me to go get a colonoscopy. That's not something I can do, mm -hmm. you know. And we are very much sympathetic to that. Listen, there were many years where we could not afford health insurance. And even this past year when we moved here, we were like, is this something we really feel like we need to do? Because you have coverage through the VA. It's not great, but it's something. And I was like, you know, I'm young. I don't really need it. And then I fell down the stairs. Yeah. And luckily I was okay. I didn't hurt myself other than, you know, the pain for a week after falling down the yeah, stairs. Longer than that. Your tailbone was kind of jacked for a while. And I, we talked to someone who was helping us make these decisions. And she said that like her friend fell or something and it cost, you know, $10,000. I think it was or, 30 grand. Okay. 30. Yeah. That's <laughs> Well, it's what woke us up. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, we... I mean, effectively, the conversation went, hey, we're considering not getting health insurance. And her response was, are you a couple of dumb fucks? <laughs> what is your problem? Yeah. So <laughs> we're like, all right, we'll make that a priority, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, she was not wrong. Yeah. No. On both counts. Absolutely. We are dumb fucks and we needed to get health insurance. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's important. And I think your example with the color guard, people people say that, you know, in lieu of getting the full test done, they did the color guard and, you know, talk to your doctor, see what they think, whatever. But you had a bloody tumor in your asshole and it did not, well, it did not come through. A little higher than the on asshole. On the color, the color <laughs> guard or whatever. So <laughs> it is important to talk those things through, talk through those concerns and also advocate for yourself. If you have a doctor that is maybe still saying, oh, you need to wait until you're 50, saying, right. hey, do you watch the news at all? Right. Like, are you doing continuing education at all? Or are you just like, you got your lab coat and then it was done for you? You don't read another paper, you don't read anything. That's how it works. <laughs> they issue you the lab coat at your graduation at medical school. Here you go, and a stethoscope. Da, 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 da. Well, and this is important because <laughs> for me, I've, I have been that person in, in a doctor's office that doesn't want to question, doesn't want sure. to ask more questions, just is like, oh, you're an authority figure. Eh. But how many stories have we heard, especially from women that say, you know, I found a lump. I went to the doctor. The first doctor was like, oh, you know, it's just your hysteria. Right. And <laughs> All right, little lady. Yeah, you're being hysterical. Well, what your husband think about this? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then they get a second opinion, and it's cancer. This just happened to Leanne Hainsby, a Peloton instructor. So... You know, it's something that you unfortunately have to sometimes advocate for yourself, too, and ensure that you're getting the proper treatment and not just accept what a doctor may be telling you.
And I know you're thinking right now, wow, Brittany, you must be so fun at parties. And yeah, I am. You are pretty fun at parties. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do, everybody. Um, I didn't know that this episode would turn into a transstravaganza. Oh. You like that? Wow. Yeah. Uh, so I what could tell g- you weren't listening to me, and you were like taking notes over there. I'm like, what is he doing? I You're- was trying to think of how to pronounce it, like a trans... Stravaganza. I mean, that's how you do it. Yeah. It's Transcravaganza. In fact, that's the title of this episode. <laughs> um, we, we, we got a lot to cover. We got a lot to talk about about CPAC. What we're going to do is we're going to take a beat. I'm going to go into the YouTube studio, make some YouTube videos, and we're going to come back with a second episode, 852, to cover all the other things. In the meantime, again, we would love to hear from you about these issues. It is important to have a conversation about these issues. Share this episode with somebody. We want to widen the reach and the, 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 the aspect ratio of this conversation. We want to have a varied set of folks from all over the country sound off about this, and we can talk about it. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email, I doubt it, at dollamore.com. We would invite you to support the show. Uh, we might not even have a Patreon after this. It, people are just, <laughs> they get very worked up when you talk about Gavin McGinnis being a racist, about Sam Harris being a dipshit, about Elon Musk, about trans rights being human rights. If you would like to support the show and our efforts and the mission here of this program of continuously punching up and not punching down, you can go to patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. We love you guys. We will see you next time very shortly. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It.